This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. John 21 is one of the most beautiful and elaborately constructed moments in all of John's Gospel. Every single detail in John 21 is intentionally developed to strike a chord with the disobedient disciple. The way in which Jesus lovingly and gently rebukes and restores Peter is sparklingly brilliant. Let's consider it together today from John 21, verses 20 through 22 read, So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. There is just so much in these chapters that could be challenging for us, but we just don't have time to cover all of them. But let's focus here on the end of John 21. Jesus has just commissioned Peter three times. Though varied slightly to focus on different aspects of his pastoral mission of tending, shepherding, and feeding sheep, the commission served as a particular and essential purpose. Jesus' words reverberate more importantly when sat in the context of Peter's threefold denial of Christ. After denying the Lord three times, Jesus' words of commission to Peter on three different occasions echo one glorious truth, that failure is never final with God. Though Peter had denied the Lord, the Lord's purposes for Peter's life were not derailed by Peter's doubts. God still had a specific and essential plan for him. And Jesus gave these purposes to Peter as he was stripping away and exposing his eroding faith in God and who he was. Peter had gone back to fishing, and God had taken every detail in this chapter and turned it into a powerful conclusion. Jesus didn't die so that Peter could go back to business as usual. His failure did not nullify God's purposes for the disciples' witness. God's call on Peter's life was as real as ever. Notice what Jesus calls Peter in these verses. Simon, son of John. Why? Because Peter has gone back to his old life. He's gone on like business as usual. There is always a tendency in our lives to return to old patterns when we face difficulty. Peter went back to what he knew, fishing. But God didn't want him to go back to normal. Jesus hadn't died so that Peter could go back to his old way of life. No, everything was different now. A heart that is arrested by the gospel is a heart that is changed, not one that coasts back to normalcy and comfort after an altercation with a resurrected Lord. Anytime there is a name change in scripture, it signifies that person's ownership. The person that names the other individual now owns them. It means that they have a new identity. 
It means that they are defined and named by another name. Jesus had called Simon Peter, which was a sign of the declaration that he had made after Jesus asked him, Who do you say that I am? Peter responded, You're Jesus, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to what Peter had said was that you are now Peter, and on this rock, that is, on this confession, that Jesus was the Son of God, I will build my church. But now Simon had walked away from Peter's confession. Obviously, he no longer recognized him as the Son of the living God who had called him and owned him. So when Jesus calls Peter Simon, son of John, this is more than just using his old name. It signifies his old character, and it had to have struck Peter off guard. It had to have hit him right in the face. Look, what you are doing is more consistent with your old life than the life that I gave you. But I own you with a purpose. I have called you for something more. You don't get to go back to coasting. In our lives, does our character look more like what we were before Christ? Or are we walking in the purposes for which God owned us? See, the Christian life is not about what we were, but about what we are becoming. We must focus our attention not on what God has called us from, but on what God has called us to be. Jesus did not save you so that you could coast back into comfortable Christianity. He saved you to change you from Simon, son of John, to Peter, son of God. Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me enough to give up what used to be important to you? Do you love me more than what used to bring you value? He asked him and us, Do you love me more than these things? Do you love me in the highest and greatest sense? Do you have a love for me that transcends all these other things? For Peter, it was fishing. But for us, it may be approval or money or comfort. It may be what we are accustomed to. It may be notoriety or fame. It could be relationships. It could be tradition. It could be anything. And Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? That is, agape love, in the highest and most significant sense, a love that transcends all other passions. Peter responds with a different word for love. Well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He answered yes, and then uses a different word for love. The term is phileo, which means to feel strongly about. Do you love me? You know how I feel strongly for you, Peter says. Peter had enough sense to know that he couldn't lie to the Lord. Jesus had asked him, Do you love in a transcendent way more than anything else? Do you love me more than these? The very fact that he was fishing belied the fact that he did not. Peter had enough sense to know that he couldn't lie to the Lord. He had denied him. He had disobeyed him. They were supposed to be on the mountain that God had appointed. And now Jesus had come to look for them and had done this incredible miracle of bringing the fish in and invited them to bring all of their questions and their doubts and to sit with Jesus. And Jesus is leading them to acknowledge their deficiency and their love for him. Peter's response is, Lord, you know that I don't love you the way that I should. 
To love him as a disciple is to love him supremely, over and above everything else, not as much as everything else. If we're going to be disciples that accomplish what God has called us to do, we need a heart change when it comes to our love. We need a love that transcends every other love in our lives. We need to love him more than our comfort, more than our ease, more than how we've always done it, more than what we are comfortable with. What God was asking him to do would require more of a love for him than a passing kind of love. If Peter was to do what God would ask him to do, it would demand a transcendent love. And it was his love for God that fueled his service to the church. It was his love for God that would fuel his calling. His passion for God would drive his service to these smelly sheep. And if he didn't love God more than these fish, or the love of money, or these men, the love of people, he could never do what God called him to do. There is a relationship between your calling and your care. What you care about most is what will affect your calling most. If Peter's love for God did not transcend his love for things, then he would never accomplish what God had called him to do. There's a sense in which Peter says, You know how I love you. In a broken and contrite spirit, he refuses to acknowledge that he loves the Lord in the way he should. And there's no chastisement here, only conscious acknowledgement. This posture in the mindset that we should adopt Rather than defending our love for God that is particularly waning in this moment, rather than deflecting that, maybe the answer should be, Lord, you know how I love you, and you know it's not what it needs to be. And Jesus' response to Peter's concession is astounding. He answers, feed my lambs. With the love that you have for me, the deficient love that you have, make sure the babies eat. This is the call into ministry right where we are. God doesn't call us to minister for him once we've received a certain status or standing. With the deficient love that we possess right now, we are still called to serve him. Because of our deficiency, there must be a dependency. The Lord accepts him and invites him to feed my lambs. The lambs that are God's, that he purchased with his own blood, that he lovingly entrusts to physical shepherds to care for and empower and mature. Peter would address under-shepherds under the good shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5. No church belongs to a pastor. No class belongs to a teacher. No person belongs to another. But we all collectively are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And as under-shepherds, in the church of God, we must ask the question, are God's sheep in our care growing in their faith by reading and applying the word of God for themselves? What can we do to promote that growth within them? How well can we say that we are maturing them, mobilizing them? The first great calling of the shepherd is getting the babies to eat. So we must ask ourselves the question, how well are we getting those around us to learn to feast on the word of God for themselves? And then Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Same verb tenses here. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. 
This time he uses a different word altogether. He asks him the same question, and Peter responds with the same response, but now Jesus calls him to shepherd the sheep. So what's the difference between shepherding and feeding? Well, the Greek word is poimenoa, the word which means to lead out to pasture. The good shepherd doesn't drive the sheep to pasture. He leads them out to pasture. This work involves protection. It consists in clearing a path of distractions. It consists of walking ahead and calling them onto the way that you are walking. Now, here's the point. Jesus is telling Peter, I want you to lead. I want you to invite them into the life that you are leading. Leaders don't drive sheep onto a path. They walk the path ahead of them and invite them into the way. This process is discipleship. So how well are we doing this? If we're going to follow Jesus, this is what is required of us. Jesus asked Peter a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time, Peter was grieved that he asked him this. Do you love me, he said? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. In this third text, Jesus changes the verb. He uses the verb that Peter did the previous two times. He basically says, do you even like me? And Peter was pained that Jesus would question whether or not he even loved God as much as he thought he did. The thought here is Jesus saying, look, I'm entrusting these sheep for which I have died to your care, and I want to know for certain of your love for me, and I want to expose the fact that your love for me is not even what you think it is. This base camp is where Christian commitment starts. Do you love him more than anything else? I can tell what you love by how you serve. Jesus ends that section with the powerful words he said to Peter at the beginning of his life. Follow me. It's a powerfully symbolic moment. Everything here is. Jesus first called Peter to follow him after the miracle where Jesus asked Peter to put the nets on the other side of the boat and they couldn't call in the catch. The nets were breaking. The same Jesus called the same Peter to follow him in the same way after the same miracle, to be a fisher of men. Same miracle, same body of water, same men. But now the nets aren't breaking. Peter knew exactly what all of this meant. It had all come full circle. Three denials and three restorations. Jesus appears to them now for the third time, and all of this is so serendipitous. Jesus' words must have stung in the disobedient disciples' heart. Follow me. After all of this, the call remains, follow me. When Peter hears this, he still isn't convinced because he has his eyes focused on others. Pointing to John, he asks Jesus, what about him? The question was after God had told Peter that he would die glorifying God by not falling and failing again, Jesus' response here is powerful. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying, why don't you let me worry about John and you focus on doing what I've told you to do? Namely, follow me. Jesus redirects Peter's focus to what's important and away from what isn't. In that following, how we follow him will expose our love or lack thereof. How we follow Jesus has a direct correlation to our love for him.
Our love for him should transcend every other love and animate our obedience, whatever and wherever that is. Be it to lead sheep or leave fishing, the call is the same. Just follow Jesus wherever that road leads. As obedient followers of Christ, we have to be willing to do either. As the song says, wherever he leads me, whatever it costs me, Lord, all I want is you. Jesus, all I want is you. May that be the prayer of our hearts today. The Lord taught us a powerful lesson here. We can't get focused on others and our walk with God and focus on following Jesus ourselves simultaneously. We have to focus on God and not on other people. We have to focus on what He has called us to do. Following Jesus will lead us at times to difficult places where it is difficult to follow, but the calling is just the same. Follow me. God, help me follow you, regardless of where that road takes me, and help me focus on doing that every day. Don't let us get our focus on other people and what they are doing or not doing. Allow us to focus our walk on you and you alone. Lord, we get so wrapped up in people-pleasing sometimes that we don't want to disappoint others or make them upset. But that is a poor excuse for our disobedience. So help us to follow you, whether other people like it or understand it. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.